Hello and welcome to How to Get Unstuck with Helen Thomas, the podcast that explores how and why you might be feeling stuck in your life, career or business and what to do about it. I'm your host, Helen Thomas, a career and business coach who supports professionals and business owners to think differently about what's possible, get unstuck and create a meaningful and successful working life they love. I've been stuck and I realized it's a common experience that can turn up in your life, your career, your relationships, personal growth or many other places often when you least expect it. But I want you to know this, being stuck isn't a permanent condition, it's a feeling and it can be changed. Join me each week as I speak with experts about their experiences with feeling stuck and the practical strategies they recommend to help you break free from uncertainty so you can get unstuck and create your unstoppable momentum. And now for today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of How to Get Unstuck. I'm your host, Helen Thomas, and I'm so looking forward to my chat with today's guest because she, like me, is a big fan of numbers. Alpha Schulte has been working in the accounting and finance industries for over 20 years, starting out as a tax consultant. And as I said, Alpha has always loved numbers and recognized the importance of financial literacy early. As a child of migrants, financial security wasn't something that was present in her life while she was growing up. However, even knowing the importance of financial literacy, Alpha says it wasn't until her growing interest in personal finance led her to completing a diploma of financial planning that she truly understood how much we're not taught about money and how it relates to the decisions we make for our lives and families. Shocked by the limited information available, Alpha decided she wanted to help as many women as possible become financially literate and get their finances sorted in the easiest way possible. Starting out by helping friends and family, she quickly realized that often what keeps us stuck when it comes to finances is actually our mindset, the limiting beliefs we hold and stories we tell ourselves about money. Now Alpha offers a range of online and one-to-one support for women to figure out their money journey, covering the basics, things like savings and budgeting, managing cash flow and simplifying your finances, but also tackling the deeper issues and obstacles you may be placing in the way of your financial success. Alpha has been stuck herself both in her career and in dealing with the mum life juggle a place and period in life when so many women feel stuck, sometimes for the first time. Her experiences propelled her on her money and self-discovery path and inspired her to help others to achieve fulfillment without taking the long and meandering road she took. Alpha says, I'm aware that talking about and learning about money can be confronting. So she works with her clients in a way that allows them to work on themselves and their money journey in a way that works best for them. So let's dive in and discover how we can create a happy and healthy relationship with our finances. Alpha Schulte, welcome to How to Get Unstuck. Oh, wow, Helen. Hello. Thank you. That was a great intro. <laughs> Thanks. Thank it's you. lovely to you're be welcome. here. <laughs> um, was your information sort of <laughs> It sounds different when it's spoken back to you, though. <laughs> true. That's true. Okay, so I'd love to start by asking you about your own experience with the concept of stuck. 
what sort of situations have caused you to feel stuck? Right, yes. Well, I I felt stuck probably pretty early in life. I think probably the first time I was a teenager trying to choose what to do out of high school. Having come from a family of migrants, education was one of those things that was really drummed into me. It was, you know, I was going to university. That was that was sort of that was a non-negotiable. But what I studied at uni wasn't necessarily overly explicit, but there was still that expectation that it had to link to a real job, you know, like lawyer or accountant. Doctor was never on the table because it was never anything I, I would have had the grades for or the interest either. But um, yeah, so I still remember looking at the form at the end of grade 12 going, I have no idea what to pick. And I thought, well, I like traveling, so I'll pick international business. And so I did that. And then I had to major in something. I ended up majoring in marketing, funnily enough. And then I got out of uni, I couldn't find a job. So that was another moment of stuckness. So I then went back to uni and did an accounting degree. It was kind of like that. Okay, fine. I'll go back. This is like my grandmother was, you know, just go back and study accounting. Everybody needs accountants. So I did that and I ended up um, working at KPMG as a grad and really liked the people and the clients I worked with, but I really didn't like the work. So after a few years again, you know, it's just, it's like, just didn't feel right. So I ended up moving into, I actually worked for Virgin, they were called Virgin Blue back then, airlines and stayed still in tax. But then after another few years, I was like, I, I was so deeply miserable. <laughs> I was like, this is, I was now in my like mid twenties. I thought I just, this, I'm in my mid twenties. This is not what life is meant to feel like. And I literally had no idea what to do either. I, I loved writing, so I did an advanced diploma of professional writing because I thought, oh, well, I'll, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I feel like I need to do something. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always been like my mantra for life is like do something uh, rather than just sitting there and, you know, looking around going, oh, my goodness, I don't know what to do. I just do something. And having a conversation with friends at dinner, and I was one of those people I, I kept any of my frustrations and vulnerabilities very close to me. I, I didn't reveal that to pretty much anyone except probably my mum and maybe one other friend. But I'd got to that point where I was so frustrated that I just like blurted it out at dinner one night with friends. And one of the friends who was there was like, well, I actually have another friend who their company is looking for a technical writer. Would you be interested? I was like, yes, I'll be interested in anything. And that was the best thing I could ever have done. I immediately doubled my income, which is like a lovely sidebar, but I would have done it even if I'd gone backwards, although I wasn't earning much to begin with, even with two degrees, three degrees actually, and, you know, six years of work. And yeah, and that, that sort of set me on the path of being more like in a consultant space. And I was earning more money, which then lent to the whole, well, what do I do with this extra money? I'd always been so used to scrimping and saving and then had money. And then that created a, another level. What do I do with it? So there's, there was a series of stuck feelings <laughs> along the path, but that was probably the first time I felt more empowered to not experience the stuckness for too long. Like yeah. I, I kind of had enough experience now to know, okay, when you feel stuck, do something. <laughs> yeah. And it's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I often say that, you know, stuck and thinking that you've left it too late to make a change can happen really early. Like a lot yeah. of, you know, even school leavers, university leavers are thinking, oh, what am I going to do? I've left it too late to do anything else. I've already invested all this time and effort and money yeah. into what I'm doing. So it's really interesting that you went through that process of sort of almost collecting the degrees. Um, <laughs> and it's also what is also interesting is that often when we feel stuck, the first thing we jump into is a degree. So <laughs> it's sort of yeah. like 
you got you got that out of the way quite early. <laughs> yeah, I just kept kept doing, I kept collecting them, and then I did like the advanced diploma, and then when I wanted to learn about money, I did the the diploma of financial planning. I was now I actually do things quite differently, but back then I was just that's yeah. all I knew. Yeah. Was, okay, I just needed to study more. I just needed to, to you know collect more information. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 that's kind of one of those you know, go-to tried and true tools that we lean on um, when we're feeling stuck that sometimes don't work because it sounds like actually the practical experience you got by moving into a new and different role, which, again, you got through a connection as opposed to because of the degree. Yeah, it's really interesting how that's worked. And so do you feel like in those early days, so obviously you did get to a point, as you said, where you were earning the money and then the stuckness became a little bit more around the money. But in those very early days, you said you were frustrated. Did you sort of recognize yourself as feel, would you have like labeled yourself as feeling stuck or was it just more frustrated? No, I think looking back, it was definitely more stuck because I still remember a friend of mine coming to me. I I can't remember how much after this it was. It was a few years and asking me how I'd gotten out of my depression. And I was like, what do you mean? I was, and and then when I looked back on it, I was like, I couldn't get out of bed. I needed like three alarms to get me moving. I'd had retreated socially I hadn't really and I had but I hadn't noticed it at the time I was in it uh it was only kind of after the fact when this friend had asked me that question so I guess from that perspective it would have been genuine stuckness but I didn't feel it at the time uh it was only afterwards that I that I sort of looked back on it and did some reflection um but I'm yeah it was it was it's the weirdest sort of feeling I haven't felt like that since thankfully to that extent that's fantastic because it sort of suggests that you created some tools that worked for you in terms of what to do next. So as I mentioned in the intro, while you understood the importance of financial literacy early in your life, it was a bit of time into your career before you sort of had that penny-dropping moment about the lack of information and support available, Mm -hmm. I guess particularly for women but probably just in general about what to do about figuring out finances. And I totally get that because, as I mentioned earlier, I – had a very similar experience. I did a, you know, Bachelor of Economics. I worked in finance. I was, and I considered myself very numerate and financially literate, but that didn't mean that I knew what to do mm-hmm. <laughs> or that, you know, where to turn when it came to, you know, managing my money, building wealth, collecting superannuation, all of those, you know, fun things. I get excited about these, but I know some people <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might not. But tell us a bit about that realization for you and how you sort of came to that gosh there's a real gap here yeah I think it was when I started I was I mean I'd been an adult already for about 10 years but it took me that long to kind of then recognize I think also because I'd done a lot of personal development in that sort of space as well to help me get that feeling of unstuckness kind of more fluid and I realized what we get taught is so limited and it's also filled with agendas around, you know, getting into debt to buy property or investment property or, you know, everything had to be very complex and you needed experts to help you do this and you needed, you know, the financial planners, which is, is still valid, but quite often we don't ever, we don't often get to the point where we actually can utilize their services because we haven't done all the groundwork, but there's nobody to help you figure out what groundwork to do. And I think I realized after I'd started going down my own path and then studying the diploma, I was like, there's all this stuff that we don't get taught. 
plus we've got all the layers of you know beliefs in our heads and the stories and then the experiences that we see from our parents and all of the the generational stuff and the the gender issues and all of this compounds on top of it to the point where the decisions we're making are not necessarily our own they're made because of things that we're told we need to make and I, that's where i found there was so much that we needed to to share and just be open about there isn't even one way to do something and I had an enlightening conversation with my dad because his, he was always wanting me to buy a property. I was like, I don't want to buy one asset and spend that much money and go into that much debt for one asset. I was much happier to save and, and I eventually started investing in shares. But we came to the realization that for him, he needed that debt in order to save. That was his forced saving. I was like, oh, well, I don't need that. So now we've come to that realization. Can you lay off the buying the property thing? Because I'm fine. But it's it's that once you have to get to know yourself, who you are, the type of person you are, are you operating from your own experiences and filters and biases or are you operating from someone else's? And what are your active choices in your life and why do you want them? What lifestyle do you even want? Where, you know, we were talking about clarity briefly. Do you even know what you want? Like I, I deal with clients now who have this business or even like their personal, like the, the house that they buy. And like, I don't know why I bought such a big house. It's so hard to clean. I have to get a cleaner in to do it. And we have no garden. I want to grow veggies and I have no garden. These sorts of things is like, well, we find these things out by accident sometimes as we get older, rather than doing it with that in mind first and acting accordingly and in alignment with it. Yeah. So that's that's sort of the how I kind of learned about you know, where I was going. And I've probably gone off a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, it's, it's really great because you, you were talking about all of those things, those societal pressures, I guess, family pressures, cultural, yeah. you know, all sorts of things that come into play. I would have said the same, you know, like I was, well, actually, no, my parents were just all about saving so, yeah. you know, it was all about putting money in a term deposit, saving, not, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't buy a car until I had enough money, yeah. um, you know, in a, in a bank account to buy the car, those sorts of things. So for me, it was just all about saving and, and nothing else. There was nothing yeah. else. So I didn't really know about any of these things. So do you think that holds true in terms of women in particular that, that that it's these sort of societal pressures, family pressures, gender pressures that stop them from taking action and, and, you know, really taking control of their money? Partly, and I think it's also partly the individual personality. So if I'm generalising, women tend to have a lower risk threshold to men. So that tends to create a, a certain limit. Plus then there's often, I get, you know, the, the stories we're told when we're children, you know, oh, men are just better at numbers or women aren't as good at, you know, they're better at the words and the, you know, not so much the numbers. And even if there's women who are good at the numbers, does that relate to finances? Because it is actually two different things. So whether we're good at math or not doesn't really influence how we're good with our finances because that's more mindset clarity and so many other things and, and being organized to a certain extent and also just not getting bored. Like yeah. money is actually quite boring. Like you just have to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, just do it consistently for years and years. And we, we yeah. try to, we sort of tend to overcomplicate it a bit. Uh, and that's also the messaging that, that comes as well in relation to money. But um, yeah, so I, th- I feel like some of it is gender-based, but I, I think there's individual personalities within that too. And the fact that as we grow as humans, we don't really get taught how to figure out who we are. Yeah. And until we figure out who we are, we can't even really figure out how to financially manage that. 
because we it's all a bit ad hoc because we're figuring it out as we go. Yeah. So I, I, that's why I feel like the the the, what, the mindset or the the personal development side and the money side are very inextricably linked because it's very difficult to say, oh, this will work for every woman in this age bracket. Yeah. <laughs> or this will work for any. I mean, some things, yes, like saving is great, but you can't just save. It's the same as we have superannuation which is, you know, is forced unless you're a business owner. And that I see, anyway, that's a different issue. But so we have super, but then we also need to invest outside of super as well. So it's it's having kind of like multiple things going all at once rather than just going, I have my mortgage, I just need to pay my mortgage off and I'll do that first and then everything else. Like, no, yeah. no, no, we need to do things in parallel. We don't necessarily get that messaging um, yeah. because that just gets lost. And whether, and, and to a certain extent, I think perhaps men talk about money a bit more I was actually sitting outside. Uh, my daughter was doing like a, a zookeeper program one time and I'm sitting outside doing some work while I waited for her. And there was this group of older gentlemen. They sat down and I'm not kidding you, for the entire 45 minutes I sat there, they spoke about investments, different types of investments, be it crypto, be it gold, be it shares, whatever. There was another table of older ladies and they were talking about knitting and crocheting and cooking and baking. Now, I realize there's some huge stereotypes there, but that's symptomatic of the education and the kind of conversations that we think we should have. Whereas I love talking about money. Yeah. I love talking about, you know, oh, what kind of products are out there, micro investing, you know, whatever's sort of going on in the world of money and how it impacts our lives. But that's just, it's kind of the conversation and the narrative. And admittedly, there's an age group issue in that mm -hmm. particular scenario, but it should just be a normalized conversation that we don't feel shame over. We yeah. can ask questions. It's okay to not know because we don't get taught that there's no judgment around it. Yeah. Whereas men just talk about it. Whereas, and yeah. us women are kind of a little bit more closed up because they think, oh, I should probably know this. I don't want to say anything in case I sound stupid. Yeah. And it's so interesting too, isn't it? Because I just was thinking as you were talking that in our family, nobody talked. It was deemed, you know, not polite to talk about money. You never yeah. asked anybody how much they earned. You never yeah. talked about any of, uh, you know, what people owned, none of that. And we, I want to talk a bit more about mindset in a sec, but just in thinking about that and that education. So you have a daughter who is eight. Yes. How do you, I mean, obviously I'm assuming that you talk to her a lot about all of these things. Do you think yeah. that's changing at all for her like peer group? Do you think that's, do you think that's changing in the school system or? I think a little bit. I don't know about the school system because there yeah. are, there isn't a national curriculum that covers talking about money, but there are different People like, you know, there's Scott Pape who's trying to get things into schools, particularly in Victoria. There are selected teachers who do this as well. There are parents I know who speak to their children a bit more. I tend to open up the conversation quite a lot about it. And I'm quite open about the fact that, yeah, my daughter has her jam jars and we do talk about money. We talk about investing and understanding the concepts behind it. And you put money in a company and you get bits back. And, and um, I've even got her micro investing already, although she doesn't fully understand that yet. Yeah, uh, but she will. And just generally talking about also the need to spend or save. Like my daughter, when she gets given money, like we, we went on this holiday this year overseas and she got given some money from each of her grandparents and from me so that I was like, I will buy food and drink and an ice cream. And that's pretty much it. Anything else you want, you have to buy. She came back with about half her money. Oh. So when she has the money to spend, she doesn't want to spend it. She's quite happy to ask me to spend mine, but she doesn't like spending her own, which I find quite funny. But then her pocket money 
she spends her pocket, like she has a spend jar and a save jar. The save jar has never been touched. She just hangs on to that, but the spend jar is almost always empty. So it's, it's, there's this whole dichotomy around things and trying to encourage, like this year we made Christmas presents rather than buying things. So, you know, and it was so much more creative. We got to say, oh, what scents? We're making little perfumes. Which, you know, which essential oils do we think suits this person? And she was making loom bands and, you know, what colours will this person like? Which is yeah. so much better than going to the shop and going, oh, I think that maybe, but yeah. yeah. Oh. So yeah. it was, it's though that kind of education. But the ch- parents that I speak with, uh, they think about it and they want to talk to their children about it, but they don't always necessarily even know themselves what to do, yeah. let alone. And they don't want to steer their kids wrongly. I was like, well, at least talk about it. Yeah. You know, if you're going to give them pocket money, make sure it's for things that, you know, they actually still have to kind of earn it to a certain extent. It's helping around the house. And if there's anything like my daughter around um, Mother's Day wanted to um, buy me a Mother's Day present and she needed some extra money to, to buy something, which I was like, you know, anyway, don't need to buy it. So we're still on that journey. And she's like, I'll take off the washing. I was like, okay, if you completely do a job that I would normally have to do and I don't have to do and you do the whole thing, I will give you $5. <laughs> But if it's cleaning your room, you don't get any money for that because you should be doing that anyway. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so it's th- things like that. But, yeah, the, the conversation, I think, I feel like it is changing but probably not fast enough. Yeah. Why do you think it is that we all kind of have this discomfort? You know, as I said earlier, I know that you, I think you've said there is just this general discomfort about talking about money or feeling like we need to learn about it. I don't, I don't entirely know. I have some theories about it, but I feel it because we've linked our self-worth to it. Anytime you look at the six, when we talk about success, I was actually, this, this is a topic that came up a bit recently. And funnily enough, I've got podcast episodes that they're covering off on success. It's often linked to the revenue figure or the dollar value or the sales targets. It's linked to a numeric value. And so, and because we're the ones to earn that, our self-worth and our ability to measure success and feel successful is based on reaching that number, whether it's a dollar number or um, a metric of some kind. And that then, if that's too internalized, then our self-worth is linked to it, which means that, you know, if we don't reach it, we don't feel very good in ourselves. So I I think that's possibly part of it. Um, But like I said, that's just my own theory. Yeah. No, well, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it does make, and I think that's that's the thing. Maybe it's that sort of fear of judgment that we all have deep down as well. And again, maybe it is a bit of a cultural or societal thing about measuring people by their worth, by what they have, what they own, what they yeah. earn, etc. Looking for more tips, strategies, or inspiration to help you get unstuck? Each week, my Wednesday Words email tackles a common issue you might be experiencing if you feel stuck, stalled, or at a crossroads in your life, business, or career, along with practical steps you can take to get unstuck and start making progress. You'll also receive my latest recommendations on what I've been reading, watching, purchasing, or listening to. I don't share these anywhere else. You need to be on the inside to get them. I love writing these emails and I'm blown away by how many people say they look forward to reading them each week. Head to helenthomas.com.au forward slash Wednesday words to sign up now. And to say thank you, I'll send you a special gift to help you kickstart the change you want to make. See you there. Okay, so let's talk a bit about values because I know this is big in your work. 
And I know when I discovered that sort of theory of getting clear on your values and using them as a framework for decision making, it was a massive light bulb moment for me. And it Uh came like in my 40s, so not early. <laughs> um, but I use it now a lot in my work and I and I focus on it for myself and, and in my life. So mm. I know you do this and you support people to uncover their values. And when we talk about values, we're talking really about those things that people hold most important in their life as a way of getting clear exactly about what they want and why. So Can you tell us a bit about how you see that relationship between our values and I guess our financial goals or aspirations? Yeah, so um, there's a number of layers to values. The way like I see them is sort of directionally, like I, I feel like values help direct our inner compass. So I have my own core values for me as a person, but then I've also got my values for my business and they are, they're similar, but different. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think how we, I think the money is literally just the tool we use to demonstrate a behavior, which is either coming from either an aligned or a misaligned place from our values. So sometimes we, you know, for instance, some people will buy things because they're trying to fulfill some sort of emptiness. Uh, I was actually caught up with a friend yesterday who had like a checklist of places to see in the world. And for the whole of this year, had not traveled or she traveled one place. Normally there'd be about four places ticked off the list. And, but she discovered internal happiness through horse riding. And so she no longer had a need to fit, like she was constantly trying to fill this gap in her and had found the thing that actually created fulfillment, whether it's the actual horses or the nature or some combination of whatever it happens to be, she's found that fulfillment. So I, I feel like when we understand our values, it makes it a lot easier to make decisions and behave in a way that's aligned with them rather than, and then our money, then money somehow just doesn't become as important uh, because it's the tool we use to do things with rather than it being the reason we do something, it becomes the outcome that can help us make a bigger impact and to perhaps have a happier uh, or a more comfortable life as well. So I, I find if money is the driver, it will often mean there's some misalignment with your values yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And that often then dictates the people that we work with. And I mean, I even had somebody earlier this year who there just was misalignment there and I was trying to figure it out and it, it just, it didn't work. And in the end, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that didn't happen because it just didn't sit right. But yeah. we don't often listen to that. Yeah. Um, so being connected to your values is extremely important because then the money side just flows from there. Yeah. Yeah. I know I often say certainly in that career space about thinking about, you know, why do you want to make a career change or a transition or why do things feel stuck and people all say it's about the money and I often say if it's about the money, that's not it. (laughs) It's not, the money is not it because, I mean, we I guess we all kind of, again, have this, especially if you're ambitious, you have an aspiration, I guess, to have more money or to be more wealthy or to... Yeah. you know, those sorts of things. But actually, once you have it, you just fill it in. It 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 doesn't, it only takes a minute before it doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. And you usually, it's a bit like a handbag. The bigger the handbag, the more stuff you put in it. Yeah. So you know, the more money, the bigger the problems or the problems yeah. change. And it just, like I've, I've known, I've, I've worked in the consulting world and I've seen people who earn incredible amounts of money who are in incredible amounts of debt. And yeah. I was like, because they just their their lives just keep getting bigger and bigger. When what do you really need? Like, why why the big? Like our our house is you know it's big enough. 
um, and we have a pool and we have aircon. I was like, yeah, we live such, and we constantly, my husband and I, we're so grateful for the world and the life that we have. And to a certain extent, I have to keep reminding my daughter of how nice she has it because she hasn't experienced anything else. I still remember, I was actually just saying to my husband today growing up and, you know, no air con, it was hot, you know, people were suffering heat stroke during the summer and now we live in this very comfortable environment. Um, but it's, yes, the if, if, if money is the driver, it's, it's hiding something else. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. What do you think, why do you think it's so important then for us to sort of tap into our values and those sort of stories potentially that we're telling ourselves and take control of it. And I guess probably the underlying question to that is, is it possible to make progress or get unstuck in, in this you know, area without doing some of that work? Values, I mean, yes, as a short answer. Yeah. Uh, probably wouldn't get there as either completely or as quickly without knowing yeah. your values. Yeah. But I, the, the inner work, absolutely. So more broadly, you have to, you know, nothing, I, I personally don't believe we can get unstuck from anything without doing some inner work. Yeah. And whether that's understanding your beliefs, your habits, your, your, th- your thoughts and stories, your values, all of that helps collectively. And the thing is, once you start doing the inner work, you can't unstart it. So you go from one thing to the next to the next because it all interconnects. Yeah. Um, and it drives who we are as people, who we want to be. And then yeah. you just start seeing it's a little bit like life suddenly becomes technicolor from when it was, you know, like that in Pleasantville, everything's black and white. And then all of a sudden the inner work comes and then everything turns into technicolor. So it's not just values. Yeah. Um, so you can go down some of the other paths and, and sort of feel some more fulfillment as well, but values will always come into it at some point. Yeah, that's so true. And I love that description of the Technicolor. <laughs> Might have to borrow that one in future. Do you still feel stuck sometimes? You did say up front that you've sort of recognised it a bit quicker these days. Yeah, um, I probably wouldn't necessarily call it stuck because I have I have so many tools that I can use. Like even, even recently a friend of mine was feeling a bit down and we were having a chat and I was like, yeah, I had a couple of down days last week. And she's like, why didn't you call me? I was like, because I, I get out of it really quickly now. Like I have ways and I like I work on it so much with my clients and I do I do the work on myself. So I probably don't necessarily feel stuck anymore. Sometimes I'll feel a bit unclear about what I'm doing and then I will do things. And and I find being in business as well, and I still do one-on-one um, consulting. So when I work with clients, I get so much more feedback and so it's instant feedback as well. It's like, ah, oh, so that's what's... that's what's holding you back and this is how you need that information so just doing that creates it'll generate so much information for me to work with so that then helps me move forwards yeah Uh, and then I don't feel stuck anymore because I'm working with people and I can see the impact that it's having on a pretty quick basis so it's it and it's it's rewarding too so that's that's nice and so what are the ways what are the ways at the moment that you work with people with their money journey? So I have, I'm actually launching, which uh, will be, ha- have happened by the time this comes out, but, and I'll be, it'll be happening again regularly, but a, a money vibration 30 day daily practices program. And it's just, it's very small. It's like five to 10 minutes a day. So there's that one. But then I've also got a, um, a membership called the Enriched Life Club, which is very much focused on its small business owners and helping them understand their finances, their mindset, relationships with money. So it's a business finance combination and mindset sort of all in one. Because I find we don't often, even if there's stuff that helps with business finances, 
then there's nothing to help the personal finances and the one flows into the other because the personal finances then fund your lifestyle. So that membership covers that. And then I do private consulting where I actually work with clients to help them shift their, their money blocks and then also set up their cash flow to function on a monthly basis in their business and their personal finances. Wow. Okay. So before we finish up today, I'd love you to share one practical tip, step or action that you'd give someone if they came to you today and said they were feeling stuck, whether it's whether it's in their finances, life generally, or at, at work. Oh, that is a tough one because I could think of so many things. <laughs> one thing. Where, oh where should they start? What's the first should, thing they should do? I would start with lifestyle visioning. So yeah. I, I have I have a meditation that I do, but you can do this yourself. It's very much think of what sort of life, what life do you see? So go through each of the senses. What life do you see? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it smell like? What is, what is the sensation around you? And actually just journal that down. It doesn't have to be long. You can take 10 to 15 minutes to do it, but I would get some clarity on what sort of lifestyle that you actually want and then look around you and figure out what, if, what your current life is like and what you're currently doing and is there a gap. And yeah. just start there because without that clarity, I see a lot of people making decisions and they're so arbitrary and they're yeah. based on, oh, there's this advisor has told them to do this. They've got this course that's told them to do that. And they just keep gathering information and it gets so confusing. And I think that's where the overwhelm really kicks in. So I would be like, just go inwards and go through each of your senses about the life that you actually want and then start to assess everything through that lens. Yeah. I love that the power of visualization is so strong. I love that through the senses. I haven't thought about it that way before, but that's such a great way to do it. And I often say to people when I talk them through that sort of visualization, think about it not like you're just describing a, you know, a job description or a role or, you know, what it is. It's kind of how does it feel when you're there? What does it look like? So, yes, I love that with the senses. I might have to borrow that one for myself. (laughs) Okay, so if you'd like to learn more about Alpha and how you can work with her to unlock and progress your money journey, you can head to money-madesimple.com.au or connect with or follow her on Facebook or Instagram. You can also find her podcast, Money with Alpha, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And somewhere right back in the archive, you'll even find an episode, an interview with me. So I will include all of Alpha's details in the show notes today. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Alpha. It's been great to catch up and I look forward to seeing you very soon. Thank you, Helen. It's been very nice for having me here and talking with you again. It's been, it has been too long. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Get Unstuck with Helen Thomas. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to help you break free from whatever might be holding you back from creating a life you love. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and share with friends who might need a boost. Your support means the world to me. You can find out more about me at my website, helenthomas.com.au or connect with me on LinkedIn at Helen L. Thomas or on Instagram at helenthomasau. Remember, feeling stuck is a feeling, not a fact. And the journey to getting unstuck is a shared one. Together, we can create unstoppable momentum. Until next week, keep dreaming big, thinking differently and moving forward.